All right, to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Tonight we are continuing our study through the book of Proverbs. We are talking through biblical wisdom in this book. It's a fascinating subject, biblical wisdom. Its application literally knows no bounds. There is not a scenario in the world where biblical wisdom does not play a role. I think that we will find tonight's topic within the realm of biblical wisdom to be especially relevant for each one of us. Because tonight we are going to identify a pervasive remnant of foolishness in our lives. And that is the problem of laziness. The problem of laziness. Tonight, we look at the epic passage in Proverbs chapter six, in which Solomon calls his son to consider the ant. Many of you know this passage well. I assure you that I know this passage well. I am preaching this sermon tonight for, count it, the fourth time in this building. I've been counting it over the course of time and I've now preached Proverbs chapter six, verses six to 11, four times in various avenues in this church, once from this pulpit. And uh, it happened to fall to me again as we decided who was going to be preaching Proverbs chapter six. Now I have tried to identify just one person in this congregation who had been there every one of the four times that I've preached this passage. And I got close. I got several of you that have heard it three times. But there's only one person in this building that's been there each one of the four times that I've preached this passage, and that's me. Which tells me that there's one person especially that apparently needs to hear and apply this text, and that is yours truly. But there are many of you who are not far behind me, who in God's providence have been exposed to this passage three times under my teaching and perhaps other times under others. So lest you see Proverbs chapter six and me standing up here to preach it yet again, uh, know that we are in this together as those who need to hear this text time and time again because it is especially relevant to our lives. Let me encourage you. I know many of us are very familiar with this passage. Let me encourage you as I even encourage myself again in this passage to maintain a spirit of humility and teachability even within the familiar I think especially with the issue of laziness, some of us are gonna have a tendency to say, I have laziness, I've got that figured out. I'm a hard worker. I'm a lot of things, but I am not lazy. There are certainly some of us who may be wired to think that way. But I think that Solomon would look to each of us and think differently. That he would say that the issue of laziness is something that every one of us needs to be continually combating in our lives. And so with that in our mind, we come back to this text tonight. Solomon views laziness as incredibly dangerous. He sees it as an incredibly dangerous characteristic in the life of a fool. Laziness is an important issue to Solomon and it's an important issue to God. It's of such importance that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse six, Paul writes that we are to avoid anyone who holds to an idle lifestyle. Heavy words from Paul. Avoid those with an idle lifestyle, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians. Charles Spurgeon gives an insightful warning in the topic of laziness. I love this quote. I remind myself of it often. He says, some temptations come to the industrious, but all temptations come to the idle. It's insightful. 
Some temptations come to the industrious, but all temptations come to the idle, Charles Spurgeon says. In other words, for those who are living an idle lifestyle, who are often in a scenario saying, what am I going to fill my time with? Spurgeon's quote suggests those are the ones to whom any and every temptation will face. Being an industrious individual, he suggests, will protect us from many a temptation. If you are familiar with the Proverbs, you know that the sin of laziness is no stranger to these pages. For Solomon, it is clear, laziness is foolishness. Over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, he condemns the lifestyle and the characteristic of of, of laziness. Time and time again, he returns to this theme, to to his son and beyond, that, that laziness must be avoided. The diligence must be embraced. He does that over 20 times in the book of Proverbs, but never, I would suggest, more memorably than he does in Proverbs chapter six, verses six through 11. If you scan through Solomon's other outbursts against laziness, you'll notice that he often presents with it an alternative, and that alternative is diligence. Solomon calls us not only to cast off laziness from our life, but that we are to take on the characteristic of diligence in in all that we do. Similar to what we see in the New Testament, when we see the the, the put-offs and the put-ons in in the book of Ephesians, we are to put off laziness, and in its place, we are to put on diligence. That desire of Solomon is is directly expressed to his son, Rehoboam, the primary recipient of this lecture. So he looks to his son, Rehoboam, and he says these words. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Solomon knows that laziness is in his son's heart. And he knows just how dangerous it is. So he presents to his son In this text, Solomon offers two lessons for fighting laziness. Two lessons for fighting laziness, and that's going to structure our time in this text tonight. Two lessons for fighting laziness that Solomon presents to his son, Rehoboam, and that we will find equally applicable to us. The first lesson, the first lesson that Solomon gives to his son is examine the diligent. The first call that he presents for for his son to fight laziness is, son, you must examine the diligent. That is shown starting in verse six through verse eight, where Solomon calls his son to consider the ant. Go to the ant, he says. It's, It's fascinating. In this scene, Solomon, while considering the topic of laziness, sends his son to an insect. When Solomon thinks of the topic of diligence, his mind goes to the animal kingdom and specifically to the ant. Ants work hard. Ants have a lifestyle, at least illustratively, 
of diligence. They work hard, they sleep only enough to get the energy that they need. Then they go about their day working for the purpose to which they were created, eating and building and defending, feeding, restoring, serving. The ant is a diligent creature. But the human, by contrast, is not. Not by nature. Laziness is in the heart of every human. And that is because laziness is ultimately a fruit of our sinfulness. It is a fruit of our depravity. Laziness is foolishness. I think we could break down laziness and understand it fundamentally as an idolatry of rest. We talk about various sins this way. We talk about gluttony as, as the idolatry of food or selfishness as the idolatry of, 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 of self. Laziness is the idolatry of rest. Rest is a gift from God. It is a good thing. God rested after creating the world. But we have within our hearts always to abuse that which is good, to abuse the gifts that are given to us from God like rest and idolize it and thus turn it into a sin in our lives. It is, do not misunderstand me, it is not a sin to rest. But the idolatry of rest is laziness and that is what Solomon condemns in this passage. Solomon uses sharp terminology in this text. He, he borders on going beyond kindness as he speaks to his son here. Go to the ant, oh, sluggard. <laughs> the heavy words, sharp terminology that Solomon uses here. Understand, Solomon is talking to his son. See in the beginning of this chapter that he says, my son. In verse 20 of this chapter, he repeats it again. My son, this whole text is delivered to Rehoboam. It is not a scene in which he's talking to his son and then some random individual that is a sluggard walks into the room. He has affectionately referred to his son as my son all through the book of Proverbs. But he comes to the issue of laziness and he no longer calls Rehoboam my son. He uses the more affectionate terminology, Oh, sluggard. Oh, sluggard, he calls his son. Wow. He looks in the eyes of his son and he labels him a sluggard. It's because he recognizes that laziness is present in his son's heart. Just like we ought to recognize that laziness is present in our hearts. And that is because it is a fruit of our depravity. It is a fruit of our sinfulness. It is within every one of us. You may hear that and object. You may hear that and say, wait a second. You say that laziness is, is a fruit of depravity. It's a fruit of our sinfulness. But there are unbelievers who are not lazy. It's a good point. There are certainly unbelievers who would model a diligent lifestyle. That is true. One thing that we need to understand is that often in life, an idolatry for one thing may cause us to suppress an idolatry for another. 
You may idolize money to the point where you abandon the idolatry of rest. You see what's happening there. One idolatry is causing us to to suppress another idolatry. You may work hard. You may be diligent to pursue another idol. But that is not godliness and that is not the, the target of this passage. Our goal is not just to abandon laziness. You can do that by finding another really good idol. (laughs) Our goal is to glorify God with our work. Our goal is to view rest as God views rest and then apply that to our lives. Like every category, laziness will impact every area of our life. So much of sin is that way. Laziness will impact every area of our life. We tend to think of this topic and our minds go directly to our jobs. I think that we often perceive laziness as, as, as kind of the sin for that category of life. But understand biblically that work is not your nine to five job. We are created to work. Work is our life. We are called, yes, absolutely, to work hard in our jobs. But you are called to work hard in every category of life. Students, you're called to work hard in school. We we are called to work hard in the church. We are called to work hard in our relationships, to work hard, young people, in obedience to parents, to work hard in our relationships with our spouse, to work hard as we parent our children to work hard at pursuing Christ, to work hard in all of life. Laziness is pervasive in our culture. It is pervasive in every realm of our lives. We just finished an entertainment study with our students and some of the statistics we came across there were shocking, mind boggling. Some many students are spending an average of nine hours a day on entertainment-based media. Nine hours of content a day. Because it's easy. It's not hard work. It's relaxing. Some 86% of college students admitted to cheating in high school because it takes hard work to do the job right. Many churchgoers attend church but are not actively involved serving Investing in relationships in the church because it takes work, it takes effort, it takes time. Friendships often fall apart in angerness and bitterness and jealousy so easily set in because people don't want to work to forgive. I want us to see in this that that work and diligence and laziness is pervasive in all of our lives. Children rebel and lie against parents, disobeying disobeying their parents because obedience is hard work. Marriages crumble. Husbands and wives don't want to put in the work to stay together. Splitting up is easier. Students go to college and abandon the faith. They leave the church. Pursuing Christ is hard work. All of our life is hard work. And Solomon's call to his son is essentially wake up, buckle up, and start working. Laziness is not isolated to our jobs. Show me someone who is lazy in their job and I will show you someone who is lazy in their pursuit of Christ. Show me someone who is is lazy in school and I will show you someone who is, is lazy in their obedience. Show me someone who is 
lazy in their obedience to their, to their parents. I'll show you someone who is lazy in their obedience to God. This is pervasive in every category of our lives. Life is not easy. We were created to work. Life is work. Genesis 3 identifies that with the fall, work became pain. But Adam and Eve were working far before work became a painful experience. They were created to subdue the earth and to work in the garden. Work is a gift from God. So Solomon says to his son, go to the ant, O sluggard. He works hard. Solomon knows that laziness is in the heart of every man, so he directs his son to that which does not have a soul. (laughs) He directs his son to that which does not have a sin nature. Solomon makes a a good choice in the animal that he points his son to. He directs his son to an insect that works incredibly hard, the ant. Solomon was actually uniquely situated to have a knowledge of how well ants worked. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 33, we get a little bit of an insight into the extent and the nature of Solomon's wisdom. I want to read that to you because it shows us some of, the, some of the nature of the extent of Solomon's wisdom. It says that Solomon spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things, and fish. The God-given wisdom that Solomon had led to even a knowledge of, of the animal kingdom, even a knowledge of the creeping things, even a specific knowledge that when he is thinking of an illustration of diligence for his son, his mind goes right to the ant. Go to her. Go watch her. Go look at her. Go see if she wastes any time. Go see if if you find her simply resting and not pursuing the purpose for which she was created. The ant works hard. The ant never stops. If you have ever had an ant infestation in your kitchen, you know those things are so hard to get rid of because they never stop. They don't sit there and let you kill them. They keep crawling and you don't know where they're coming from and you don't know where they're going. But as soon as you remove what they're crawling to, they find something else. They're they're hard workers. So Solomon says, go watch them. It's an easy application for us tonight. Struggling with laziness? Go look at an ant. Buy an ant farm. We preach through this for our students. I titled this sermon, Why an Ant Farm is a Worthy Investment. I think every student should have an ant farm in their bedroom. This is good to observe. Solomon says, go, stare at some ants. He calls his son specifically to two instructions. We're we're still talking through this this first point of of examining the diligent as the the first lesson for fighting laziness. But he calls his son specifically to do two things as he is considering the ants, as he is examining the diligent. The first... The first thing that he calls his son to do is observe her ways. Look at verse six. Go to the Anto sluggard. Observe her ways. Watch her. Literally, just, uh, the, the call is, is look at her. Perceive the ant. Ponder what the ant is doing. But then he calls them to 
to a, to, to, to a second action. Don't just, don't just watch her. Don't just buy an ant farm, look at it, and walk away unchanged. No, no. Consider her ways and be wise, he says in verse six. Go to the anto sluggard, observe her ways, and be wise. This is the term that we have seen woven through all of the book of Proverbs as, as we've walked through it. Be wise. Wisdom. Wisdom is ultimately what is lacking in his son who has embraced laziness. The man who is lazy is a fool. By implication, direct statement in Proverbs chapter one, the man who is lazy does not fear God. Solomon says, go observe the ant and then be wise. The question is, how are those two commands related to one another? Observe her ways and be wise, he says. I think that the the connection that we need to draw here is that Solomon is saying, go and watch the ants. And then the application for you from watching the ants is to do what the ant does. to, To mimic the lifestyle of the ant who is a diligent creature. So the call here is, is, is not just to examine, but to mimic. Go observe the ant and then live accordingly. Observe her ways and be wise. To live in wisdom is to live in diligence, he says specifically in this text. So what should we observe about the ant? And what specifically should we mimic in the ant? Surely it is not everything. But there are various characteristics that he draws our attention to that are worth mimicking in the lifestyle of the ant. Two specific attributes that he's going to point out. Look first at verse seven. Which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. In those two verses, Solomon lays out, I believe, two specific attributes that are supposed to be mimicked in the ant. The first is that the ant does not require instruction. The ant does not require instruction. He says, look look at verse seven. Go and observe the ant and be wise. What specifically are we supposed to be wise in? Well, verse seven says that the ant has no chief or no officer or no ruler. In other words, the ant doesn't have anyone who is telling her what to do. She just does it. She knows what needs to be done and she goes about her business. You don't see one ant pointing and another ant doing. They all instinctively accomplish the purpose that they were created for. Why does Solomon point this out? That the ant has no chief or officer or ruler, no ant shouting orders to another ant. I think the implication here And this tells us that this goes beyond just our our work, our jobs. The implication here is that anyone can follow orders. Anyone can follow orders. The ant is noteworthy because she has no one telling her what to do. Diligence is measured by your ability to work hard whether or not someone tells you to. Whether or not someone is watching. Thus, I believe in this text, we cannot say, I work hard at my job, therefore I am not lazy. No, no, Solomon assumes that anyone can follow orders. But your diligence on your own time is what actually reveals your heart in this matter. 
Solomon knows that the ant is diligent because no one is telling the ant what to do. This is the first thing that Solomon says should be observed and applied for wisdom. The ant does not require instruction and neither should we. But there's a second attribute in the ant that we are, that we are called to. And that is that the ant is responsible. Look at verse eight. Not only does she not require instruction, but in her not needing instruction, she continues to be responsible. It says that she prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. The ant is a responsible creature. In the summer, she is planning for what is coming. She's planning ahead. The ant is a planner. She is aware of coming difficulties. In the summer, she knows the winter is coming. And so she prepares. She plants in the summer and gathers in the harvest. She sows and she reaps. Solomon's principle here is that the diligent plan for the future. The diligent are not just living in the moment, but they're looking to what is coming and they're anticipating dangers and difficulties that they need to be ready for. Oh, herein lies a, a principle that is so important for us in a culture of procrastination. We, we are all in, in, in some areas of life procrastinators. I think that's essentially what Solomon is dealing with here. Procrastination is a fool's game. Students, those assignments that you don't want to start working on quite yet, don't be a procrastinator. Don't procrastinate. Do the hard things early. Do the hard things now. Just abandon later from your vocabulary. But that, that's not just isolated to students. We all have things in our lives where we're thinking, oh, that can wait. It can be done later. Now, obviously, there's always things that have to be done now and by implication, things that will be done later. But you know your heart in these matters that often the things that we don't want to do the most are the things conveniently that can be done so much later. <laughs> Solomon charges full tilt at procrastination in his son's life. He says the ant is a responsible creature. She works now. She plans for the future because she knows that hard times will be coming. All of this is learned from examining the ant, from examining the diligent. And Solomon says to his son, go to the ant because in your heart, you are a sluggard. There's a second, a second lesson in this passage. Solomon offers two lessons for fighting laziness. The first is examine the diligent. The second is escape from your sloth. Escape from your sloth. Examine the diligent and escape from your sloth. This was Solomon, the second lesson that Solomon has for his son here. Now this instruction shown from verses nine through 11, is, is given in the form of two questions. Okay, Solomon gives his son a command in the form of questions. Look at verse nine. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Two questions. But we know Pastor Rick has illustrated this for us so well that those questions are not really questions. How Pastor Rick has illustrated this and many of us have experienced this, I've experienced this regularly in my life is when I put something on and my wife says, are you really going to wear that? That's no question, right? 
That's, there's a statement in there that it is unwise to walk out the front door wearing those two articles of clothing that don't match. Solomon asked his son two questions here that while they are in the form of a question, it is a statement. Put yourself in, in a young man's shoes here. And, and a parent walks in and sees you lying down and, and, and you've overslept. I can recall these days in high school. Mom walks in. I'm imagining my mother saying, how long will you lie down, oh sluggard? <laughs> That's no question, right? She's not wondering. The appropriate answer to that is not, you know, maybe another 25 minutes or so. No, no, there is a command in that question and that is get up, get up, get out of bed. How much longer could you possibly lie down? In your lying down, you are being a sluggard. And here we realize the crux of the issue for Solomon's son. And it's generally true of the lazy man. It's generally true of the sluggard. He sleeps too much. He sleeps too much. He doesn't want to get out of bed. He chooses to lie there rather than to be diligent. When will you arise? What are you waiting for? Get up, go, get to work and accomplish that for which you were created like the ant. In verse 10, it's actually a difficult verse to interpret exactly how it fits into the structure of this whole thing. There's, there's two views that either this is, this is what the sluggard says or that, that it's to be taken together with verse 11 as a proverb. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Some would say that that's like the, given as the mantra of the fool, a mantra of the lazy man. But I think it's probably best to really kind of wedge in between those two views and understand that verse 10 is, is, is indicative of something that the lazy man says, but verse 11 is what comes to those who would say such a thing. And so Solomon says, if, if you are someone who, who thinks along these lines, if you are someone who says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then here is your future. Your future is that your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Solomon is stating that the mentality of the lazy man is to say, I just need a little more. We, we learn a few things about the mentality of the lazy man, the attitude, uh, the, the, what, what characterizes the lazy man here. The first is, is, is the attitude of the sluggard, the attitude of the, of the sluggard. First, he always desires more rest. He always desires more rest. I need more, I need more sleep, I need more rest, I need more slumber, verse 10 says. The, 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 the lazy man continually desires more. The diligent says, enough, enough. I, I, I take only what I need, and if necessary, I won't even take that. I, I, I'm convinced that this verse is the Old Testament version of our snooze button. You know what I'm talking about. That cursed button on every alarm clock and on every phone, when that alarm goes off every morning, you know what the snooze button says? A little more sleep, a little more slumber. 
Okay, so I am now sufficiently convicted from this passage, and I know several of us are as well. It's the desire of the fool. I just need a little more. I just need a little more. The wise man goes about his work. He gets up. Not only does he continually desire more rest, but embedded within here is that the lazy man underestimates his problem. The lazy man underestimates his problem. Look in verse 10, every statement that he makes there is preceded by the word a little. I just need a little more sleep. I just need a little more slumber. Just a little more folding of the hands to rest. You see, the sluggard, the lazy man does not think that his problem is actually a big deal. But what Solomon is suggesting for us here is that if your mentality is that I just need a little more, then you have a big problem. The lazy man underestimates his laziness. In there, we, we, we understand the attitude of the sluggard. He always desires more rest. He underestimates his problem. And so then Solomon draws our attention to the end of the sluggard. Here is the end of the sluggard. Verse 11, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Solomon essentially says in this verse that laziness will lead to poverty or it will lead to, to want. Now, what Solomon is not saying when he makes that statement is that righteous men are rich and fools are poor. That's not at all, even on Solomon's radar in this passage. What Solomon is saying is you, you can't expect to maintain what God has given you if you do not exercise diligent stewardship over his gifts. You can't expect to hold on to his gifts if, if you're not being diligent, if he's blessed you with things. Be diligent in those things. Don't resort to laziness, but continue in your diligence. Otherwise, it will lead to, to what he calls here poverty or want or need. We cannot expect to hold that which God blesses us with if we respond to that blessing in laziness. Solomon uses curious terminology here. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond. Your need will come in like an armed man. A vagabond, literally translated someone who walks around, probably someone who wanders around. Vagabond is, is a good translation. It's a man in, in need who is looking to steal. He's looking to hurt. He's looking to take what is yours. He says your need will come like an armed man. Literally a, a man with a shield. The point here is that both the vagabond and the armed man are going to come in quickly. They're going to overtake you and you are defenseless. Why are you defenseless? Because you're sleeping. You're not living a diligent lifestyle. And so you're not ready These things will come unsuspectingly, Solomon indicates. No one is saying in their laziness, I want to have poverty. No, 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 the, the, the lazy man is saying, I just want a little more sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest. But what you don't know is that in that mentality, your poverty will come upon you unsuspectingly. What God has blessed you with may be taken away and, and you won't ever see it coming. It will blindside you, Solomon says. It will come like a vagabond, like an armed man. It will be taken from you. 
Turn over to Proverbs chapter 24, where Solomon uses the exact same terminology, but he draws it out a little bit further, and I think it understands us, helps us to understand some of the, some of the mentality of Solomon in this command. This is a story. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. Solomon says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. The lazy man, the lazy woman claims the things that are said there in verse 33. Just want a little more sleep. But that individual one day is going to wake up and realize that the vineyard is overgrown, that the wall is broken down. But the wisdom in Solomon in this text is to point out the fact that what took place in the lazy man's life didn't actually happen quickly. Vineyards do not overgrow in a night. Walls do not break down in a week, in a month. It takes years for that to happen. But the, the individual who claims, I just need a little more rest, that person wakes up and all of a sudden sees a vineyard that is completely overgrown and they wonder, what happened? What happened? All I wanted was a little more rest. But that mentality reveals a big problem. Because days and days and days of a little more rest will lead to an overgrown vineyard and a broken down wall. We understand what is at stake here is far more than an overgrown vineyard and a broken down wall. Laziness impacts our marriage. Laziness impacts our parenting. Laziness impacts our work ethic at our jobs. Laziness impacts our stewardship over our homes. Laziness impacts our evangelism. I'll do it later. For now, I'm gonna take it easy. Let's embrace wisdom. Let's consider the ant and be wise. Be diligent. Be planners. Be active in all categories of life, casting aside laziness and in the fear of the Lord, embracing wisdom.